Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Capital Club Radio, brought to you by Flock Specialty Finance. Please welcome your host, Chairman and CEO, Michael Flock. Thank you and good afternoon. Today, we've got a really interesting guest with us, one of the top technology leaders in the credit and collection industry, who's also a serial entrepreneur. That means he just can't stop. He can't get enough of it. He's addicted to being an entrepreneur. I'm talking about none other than Carl Harkle Road. Carl is founder and former CEO of Latitude Software, one of the leading collection software solutions in the industry. He's now working on his second startup called Imagine.Cloud with a new partner named Jonathan Ulrich. Imagine.Cloud soon will offer collection and agency management solutions to both creditors and collection agencies and master servicers. Carl started his career in 1973 writing software for the AFL-CIO, can you believe it? And later joined Capital Credit, managing their large data center. So he got operations experience in that position. And after five years, he went to Corliss Credit and later merged with Master Collectors and then Nationwide Credit, which many of us remember. Carl's many years of operational experience then enabled him to create software focused both on operational productivity and the importance of collection data in the process. He founded Latitude in 1997 and sold it in 2010 and stayed for an additional three years. But after three years of fishing and being at the beach, retirement got really boring for Carl, and he now has come back with a new company called Imagined.Cloud. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. 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 So we're ready for the you know the second act, second chapter in Carl's very colorful and rich career. Now, Carl, your first couple of decades in your career appear to be pretty operationally focused when you were employed by various collection agencies, although you actually started writing the software in 1973 with AFL-CIO. You managed a, a large data center at one point, but how did you get into developing software? What motivated you personally to really find that as your passion? Well, back in 1973, before I even understood what a computer was, I was around a lot of developers. I was actually an operational person in the data centers and saw them developing software and was very curious about what software development was. So I wrote a couple programs, got in trouble with a couple programs. I actually wrote a, my first program was a program to track horse races and my boss on the mainframe didn't like the idea that we were tracking trotters on the mainframe. Using all the cycles back then was a sin. But fell in love with developing software and been doing it a long time. And, and how did you learn to develop software? Did you train, teach yourself? Did you have formal training? Sort of half self-taught. And then uh, while I was at the FLCO, I was lucky enough. I was there for about 14 years. They sent me to every trade school in the country okay. that, that taught development. So I've written in various languages, Assembler, Fortran, COBOL, mm-hmm. all the old technologies. I was there when the IBM PC came alive and, and wrote software on the IBM PC. And what's most fulfilling about software? Is it a creative process or is it the technical aspects, the technology that excites you? Why, why is this your passion? A little bit of both. When you walk out on a collection floor and you see a thousand people using your software, your software that you wrote, you sort of get pretty excited about seeing that. And then, you know, in today's world with the new technology, with the cloud, it's so exciting. There are so many things that you can do that you couldn't do 
10 years ago, except five years ago. Software development today is so much more rapid and so much more fulfilling. It's it's more rapid because of the cloud, meaning that there's less infrastructure required there's, for it? Yeah, there are, left, there are less things that you have to do. So with uh, we use the Microsoft Cloud. It's called Azure. With that, you get a lot of pre-built things. So security. You don't, when you build an application, you don't have to worry about security. It's built in. You know, your password maintenance, all your rules, it's all part of the infrastructure. So you can just focus on the business at hand. So it's faster, cheaper, more it's efficient. faster. I wouldn't say cheaper. Uh, developers today are very well paid. They're not as cheap as they used to be. Why is that? Are there fewer uh, of them? I, yeah, I, no, I, there are fewer. And I think it's the Googles and the Amazons and all the Ubers, all the people that are driving up all the costs of, of development. We're lucky that at Imagine.Cloud, is Jonathan, one of our founders, is a senior engineer. He could be in Silicon Valley making a lot of money, but has chose to be on board with what we're doing. Now, why did you start Latitude when at the time I remember there were, I think it was 1997, there were a couple big software leaders that had a huge market share, Ontario, Cub. What was the void that you were trying to fill in the market with Latitude? One of the agencies I worked at, Nationwide Credit, we had 12 collection platforms because there were a lot. they made a lot of acquisitions. Part of my job was to convert those systems to two platforms, Ontario and Cubs. In that process, I learned all the things that those systems were deficient at. Really, it comes down, I thought I could build a better mousetrap. I had a friend that had an agency, and we decided to create a company, a software company, mm-hmm. to build software that he would use. We completed that, and we didn't really know what we had. We gave it to friends. We mm-hmm. sold a few copies. It was actually here in Atlanta. 2000, we had about 20 customers. That was fast. Uh, It was. It was. It was. uh, We really didn't realize what we had. The whole premise of that software was to empower the companies that use it to control their own destiny. So Translate that. So so, empower to create your own destiny. Yeah. The the other platforms were closed. They didn't let you you get to your data. So the idea we had was that we would use Microsoft SQL Server, allow our customers to get to their data when they needed to get to it. It was their data to use it in the way they wanted to use it. So all the tools we wrote – all the, all the product we wrote, it was geared around that. Let them have access to what they need to have access to. So it was much more, I guess, user-friendly? Yeah, but it was data-friendly. It allowed them to get to the data they needed to get to with, without having to pay the vendor with the tools that we had developed. It really caught on, and, and we grew like like fire. I mean, it was a fun ride. How did you capitalize the company? I had a partner, yep. and he was the capitalization of the company, and I was the technical part of the company. I bought the company from him in 2005. It started really growing at that point. Were there surprises along this journey with Latitude? There were a lot of surprises. Making payrolls. You know, we never missed a payroll. Uh All the things that a typical business has. Right. And cash flow issues. My wife, she'd see the bank deposit. She'd see the money sitting in the bank and wonder why we didn't have a lot of that money. And it was because we were putting it back in the business, using Mm -hmm. that money to grow the business. Mm -hmm. Those must have been interesting conversations. They were. They were. (laughs) (laughs) No, honey, we just can't write ourselves a check. Company's money in. Right. We needed to grow the business. So that's... you know the, the struggles of cash flow were probably the biggest struggles we had. You know, having a partner. One of my one of my theories about business is if you can do it yourself, don't have partners. I learned that lesson through that whole period. I had ideas. He had different ideas. It really didn't start taking off until you know we separated. Until, until I 
point. So you weren't aligned on the strategy? Was that no, it? no. He, he had a different strategy uh-huh. than, than I did. I saw the vision of what could be in our industry with uh-huh. this software. He had different okay. ideas. He had other companies that he was focused on. and Collection really, companies? Yep, and other, other entities, but he wasn't really focused on this business. So one of the lessons learned is you're saying don't have partners? Or you're saying if you have a partner, make sure you are absolutely aligned on Yeah, it. make make sure you're, you're aligned. But if it's your idea, have control of the idea and the company. And one of the other things I'd say is he and I were handshake 50-50. We didn't have anything in writing. And, yeah. Oh, uh, boy. Oh, boy. I, I learned that this, along the way, I learned some some of those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Have a good shareholders agreement, have everything in place that, that you need to have. I learned that lesson when I did sell Latitude, how having all those things, the I's dotted and the T's crossed, make that whole process a lot easier. So uh, you may have been a little naive then. Oh, I was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was very naive. I mean, I was a software guy. I, you weren't a deal guy. No, I was not a deal guy back then. Right. Uh, now I love deals, but yeah. uh, I was the guy in the closet writing the software. I mean, I didn't <laughs> I didn't come out much. Right. I learned a lot along the way. So is there going to be a new book, The Art of the Deal by Carl <laughs> yeah, Hawker? Yeah, you know, yeah, the mistakes not to make, maybe. Uh, uh, okay. There's a few things. That, have a great attorney. I was lucky enough back in the 90s, I had a startup idea for the internet, and I started it with another guy here in Atlanta. We got in. We went out to Silicon Valley and walked up Sandlot Road and went to probably 30 different venture groups, and none of them liked our idea. During that process, I met my attorney that I've had till this day. When I sold Latitude Software, he had three customers, Google, Dell, and Latitude Software. Well, and that's pretty cool. He's a very expensive guy, but very, very good. That's the thing that in software, I think that's a key, too, is to have someone that is a technology attorney, you know, an IP attorney. Right. It's almost a whole different It is a different. World. It is. It really is. He helped us through the acquisition of Latitude, you know, with all the things that, I mean, he was doing acquisitions for very large, large deals. Ours was a tiny one compared to... But things. big for Carl. Big for Carl. <laughs> yeah. Very good for Carl and his family and, and six members of our you know, my executive Your team, team right. who I, I sort of learned something there. And I should have, the equity that they got was by my word. I should have papered it because it cost them some money in taxes because it turned out to be mm-hmm. short-term gains instead of long-term gains. So that's one thing that I learned. Oh, okay, I should have made that commitment in writing for that reason. Mm-hmm. During those years when you were leading Latitude, were there any nights uh, that you you were really worried that the company might not make it? Probably after I after I purchased it from my uh, partner, because now I was on my own financially. Mm-hmm. But I was lucky enough, I, I met a gentleman that was, he, he ran a big investment REIT, and he was responsible for several billion dollars. He had a sickness, and I met him through my wife, and he he wanted a career change. So he, he came on board as our CFO, Wow! and he really uh, straightened me out. You know, the money part of the business at that point really started to solidify, and Carl, the wild spender of money, had sort of leash around him at that point. <laughs> so he was able to get us an SBA loan pay off the ex-partner. We were financing the company, the buyout of the company. They, the company, came in to look at acquiring us. He handed them a binder. Every single question they had was in that binder. We went back and audit, created audited financials two years prior to us buying the company. All that paid off mm-hmm. because it, everything was in its place. Another lesson learned maybe is then have a CFO who knows the industry. Yeah, he didn't know knows. anything about our industry, but he knew finance. And oh, okay. He, he knew money. He knew where to go raise money. So that combined with an attorney that knew the industry. Yes. Well, he, yeah, he knew team. software and intellectual software. property. Yep. Right. That, those are two key things that I think two key positions that led to our success in the end. And probably the most important thing was taking care of our customers. 
when I sold somewhere between three or 400 customers that uh, we've had for a long time, these customers, and we always took care of them through the lean times and the good times. Uh, Give us some examples of what that means, taking care of a customer. Is if well, you had a technical problem, you were Technical there. problems were given. They knew that they could rely on us for that. But right. if they had tough times themselves, like they couldn't pay their bill on oh, time. Oh, boy. Or, okay. Okay. So we, we would help them. You know, if, if they made the effort to at least try to stay current and, you know, we'd, we'd help them and, and eventually they'd catch up and they were appreciative of that. And the other thing we did really well was we had three types of customers. We had collection agencies, we had creditors, and we had debt buyers. Mm-hmm. We introduced all of those customers to each other through okay. our through our user group. Built this big community of, of people. That, I remember I went to one of the conferences. Yes, and had. we were known in the industry of having one of the best user groups at one. You time. know, this resonates with me because we talk a lot about the power of community mm-hmm. at Flock Finance, and you built a community, a technology community of of people yep. that had very much aligned interests because they were well three categories: debt buyers. Yep, creditors. And, yep, creditors. Yep. I always call our industry the debt collection industry a community. You know, the creditors, the agencies, the attorneys, the vendors. It's a big community. And if, if you do a really good job in that community, everybody understands that. And what's so interesting about the middle market, it, it is messy. Yeah. <laughs> we joke yeah. about it. It is messy yep. because a lot of these companies don't have a lot of infrastructure, but that's yep. the value add yes. of yeah. you, the vendor. Back in the day, back in probably 2006, we had the idea to host our application. So a lot of companies couldn't afford to buy the software, and that, that's the traditional model in our industry. Is, right, to uh, buy it. Buy it or license it and right. then pay a maintenance fee. Well, I wanted to offer that to more companies, and so we had this idea to create our own cloud before the cloud was the cloud. And we had two data centers with over 200 servers in them, and we hosted Latitude, and they just paid a monthly fee for each user that used Latitude. So for each seat. For each seat. So, As opposed to your competition, which charged... Which was... They they, they charge by the seat. You have to buy the seat. Whether and so in that case, whether, oh, wow. whether you're using it or not, you're paying for it. So, so that was really a very rigid. Yes, and that and that of, and that added value to our company when we sold because right. that multiple of the, the reoccurring money for the hosted was the largest portion of what we received in the sale. Recurring revenue. That's a yeah. wonderful thing. Yes, yes isn't yes, it? it is. Recurring it cash flow. Yep. So your enterprise value was much greater than perhaps if we hadn't we had that. If we yeah. hadn't had that if we were just the uh-huh. traditional software company. Mm-hmm. But what's preventing your competition from doing that? Oh, they could do it. Today, they say they're in the cloud. They've just done what, what we call in the, in the industry a lift and shift. They have taken their old technology and lifted it up to the cloud. It's no more than putting it in a Hosting data center. It. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the same technology that was written decades ago, just moved to the cloud. Well, this is a great segue now to talk about your new company, you know, as a serial entrepreneur. I'm amazed that you came back because you, you had a nice exit. Well, I'll tell you, yeah, I did. And, but the thing was, I was getting so bored and my brain was turning to mush. And (laughs) I really, honestly, it was, I, I was, I had memory problems. I had different things and, because you weren't working. I wasn't working. I wasn't using my technical brain that I uh-huh, used my whole uh-huh. life. Uh, my wife said, go find something else to do. And She got tired so of making she, lunch. Yeah. She had her own things that she was doing. She wasn't making a lot of lunches. But <laughs> uh, but I had this idea that was festering in me for a while. And I met Jonathan, one of our co-founders. And Jonathan's a unique individual. He's a very educated person, which is not me. I graduated from high school and was lucky enough to find my way through mm-hmm. my career. But Jonathan is, I mean, he is an amazing technologist. He started explaining the different aspects of the cloud to me. 
and I love technology. And once I started understanding the real cloud, what the cloud is, I thought we could leverage that for our industry, change the landscape. So elaborate on change the industry with the cloud, because so often people think of the cloud as, well, it's ubiquitous. Everybody has it. You know, what's so special about then Imagine.cloud that another software product couldn't have in the cloud? Well, our software is written from the ground up for the cloud. It wasn't just lifted into the cloud. We're using all the tools that Microsoft provides, all the services that they provide, everything that they provide for software developers to create a new technology in the cloud. So just what they call native? So it's native cloud, Cloud? yes. Okay. So all these services they provide are all pay-as-you-go services. So Uh you only pay for what you use. The rest of the world, they're going to software that's pay pay for what you use. So we use QuickBooks in the cloud. We use payroll system in the cloud. Everything we have as a, as a startup company are cloud-based. I don't have to have it sitting on my computer. I can I can access it from anywhere in the world. It's secure, and I pay for what I use. Mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I, haven't, I don't spend money on something that I don't Right. Don't use. But can't your competition use the same native the, language? Well, I, I, I equate if there is – we probably have two competitors, but if I equate them to the Titanic, we're a bunch of guys on jet skis, and we can move a lot quicker and nimbler mm-hmm. than they can. And the technology we're using lets us do that. They, okay. they can do exactly what we're doing. But it's going to take them a while to get there. Because they have their the old, Titanic. And they yeah. have their old ways and their old infrastructures of people. And, and Is the culture different? Yes. How so? so? Well, our culture is one of empowering the, the developers and the, and the technicians to suggest ideas. We, in the last year and a half, have actually written our application three times to figure out what the best way was to have the application. A lot of companies wouldn't forego that. They would say, oh, this is too much. You're taking too long. I, I think we're much more intelligent about how we do things because we're as nimble as we are. And you incent that kind of thinking in Imagine.cloud? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Okay. Very much so. You know, uh, Steve Jobs had a comment that he said, we don't hire really smart people to tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. That's sort of a, our thought about our company. You have a team now? Yes. How many developers? Yes. So we have six total people in our company. Okay, cool. That's uh, not a huge undertaking, but we're in a co-workspace, which okay. has, we have our own offices, but we can use conference rooms and meeting rooms and, you know, all the all the break rooms that they have. It's interesting being around a lot of other companies as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a great, it's a great place to be, I think, is an environment like that. And I think what's different about Imagine.Cloud versus Latitude is I think you now are really targeting the creditor market yes. more than you did at Latitude. Yeah, when we started Latitude, we started out focused on collection agencies. We had debt buyers that wanted products, so we built product for debt buyers. We found creditors that wanted to use the product. In the end, we had about 35% were creditors, about 26% were debt buyers, and the rest were mm-hmm. were agencies. Now, also, Carl, I think what's a major difference is the solution itself, because Latitude was a more of a collection platform. This, as I understand, is going to be an agency management. Yes. It's used by creditors or debt buyers to manage their data that they outsource. So creditor would take their delinquent accounts or charged off accounts, place them in our cloud, and use the tools that we've developed to manage that process of outsourcing the collections. And they can be active, pre-charged off collections. Some people call it curing or bucket collecting okay. or charged off. Either okay. one. Performing or charged off. Exactly. And you said, you know, the importance is giving them their control over their data with these agencies. How deep 
accomplishes that goal. The cloud affords you the ability to do all kinds of things with data. You've heard the term big data. With the Amazon cloud and the Microsoft cloud that we use, you get machine learning. You don't have to be an AI expert. You, mm-hmm. you have all these tools that let you understand the data and use the data, gain outcomes. You just have a plethora of tools that, that you wouldn't that you'd have to go integrate. So um, these tools would help the creditors manage their performance better? Yes. Okay. Yes. And monitor the gain the insights from the data of how the agencies and attorneys are doing. Both right. from a compliance standpoint, things like, are they making too many calls too frequently? Okay. Not enough? Did they get consent on these phone numbers okay. uh, or a, to text or use a dialer mm-hmm. or cell phones? So these insights can be based on the numerical performance of the portfolios okay. or the compliance part of the process. So either one. The cool thing about this is our platform learns new insights. So This is like artificial intelligence? Yeah, I'd say machine learning. Artificial okay. intelligence is a word that it's thrown around too much, but it learns from the data. And what's cool, we're out there promoting our product now. When we learn something that a creditor wants to learn about their data, we can just simply add that to our solution very easily. And now our product is learning that new that new insight. We know the day that the creditor made the data available for the uh, agency. We know the day they picked it up. We know the day they made their first attempt. And we know the day they made their first right party contact. All those things mm-hmm. are learned from the data. Will they be able to use the same data to even change or modify their own credit policies? They could. They okay. could take it. So we've talked to creditors about, we call it a fire hose, but they, some creditors have asked for that data stream to come back into their analytics. That's so, what's getting So at. we're yeah. able to uh, turn on that fire hose mm-hmm. back to mm-hmm. the creditor, and their data science people can use that mm-hmm. data to gain all kinds well, of Well, I guess, you know, with the growth in fintech, marketplace yeah. lending, this mm-hmm. product has got to be hot, yep. I we're, would think. We're thinking so. We've talked to a lot of fintech startups, and they're also about products that they can subscribe to, and that's, that's the kind of product. We have where they don't want to buy something. No, make a huge investment. Exactly. Right. Exactly. They pay as they grow. Yep. Exactly. Carl, you've been in the industry for what thirty years now, yeah, or since more. 1984. Yeah. What's your outlook going forward <laughs> for the industry, and how how does that affect your thinking of uh, again, my, about my, your my outlook? Is that they're going to use subscription services like ours instead of their traditional install and maintenance? In, in terms of for, for our debt buyer listeners here today, mm-hmm. what how do you see the market for them specifically? It's all about and, the data yeah. to, to be successful as a debt buyer or a creditor or an agency. It's all right. about the data and making that data more available to them. Okay. I think that's what our product does best. I know you uh, already started acquiring new customers. Can you comment a little more, too, about that strategy? And, uh, so, and how does that tie into your view of the market right now? Yeah, so... We're pretty lucky. I called our industry a community, and we've been really lucky to have great relationships already in the industry. And so a lot of times it's a matter of picking up a phone and talking to a colleague that I know at a bank or a credit union or some other creditor and, you know, getting a meeting, talking about our product. It's being taken very well from the people we've talked to. Exciting. So how do you see yourself, let's say, 20 years from now? What, what is the end game for Carl Harker Road? Or maybe it, there isn't. You're just going to keep the building dirt, companies? The, the dirt nap, that's be one. Is, but no, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I love this industry. I've been around it a long time. I have a lot of friends in the industry. I have my son now. My youngest son is in the business. My old, It's Carl Jr.? No, it's Zach. <laughs> He's your other son. Yeah. yeah, and my other son works for uh, another large software company. You know, there's some legacy there. Jonathan, all these guys are very young. They have a lot of excitement. 
exciting ideas to take where to take the company in the future. I just want to stay healthy and, and provide, you know, all the insight that I can to, to where I think we should take the company in this space. To create yeah. kind of Carl Juniors. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. It's it's exciting. The data part of our business is the most exciting piece. The data part. The data okay. part. Because that's what differentiates you or that's what differentiates everyone. Everyone. Even the collection agencies from each other, the cre- okay. the debt buyers from each other, uh-huh. the creditors from each other. Finance companies? Yep. Finance companies. Everybody yep. is what you learn from the data can uh, give uh-huh. you a severe advantage. Decades from now, if you could write your own obituary, what what would you want it to say? I guess he always took care of his customers. He did what he said he'd do. He was there when they needed him. And, you know, he's just a straight shooter. Those are some things that I learned that you need to live up to what you say. Straight shooter. Yeah. Do what you say you're going to do. Yep. Take care of your customers. Yep. Words of wisdom yeah. from Carl Harkle Road. <laughs> Carl, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We're really privileged here at Capital Club Radio Show to have you share your rich experience of decades as a technology leader, developer. Thanks, too, for all the great stories about your partners and your clients. And we're really excited now to watch the next chapter unfold as you build your second career-changing but industry-changing product and company, Imagine.Cloud. Thank you very much, Carl Hockerroad. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for joining Michael Flock and his guests on the Capital Club Radio Show. For more information on future interviews, please visit us at flockfinance.com. This program is brought to you by Flock Specialty Finance, where clients are provided knowledge and insights to help them grow their business in complex and risky markets. Flock is more than a transaction.